welcome in on this fine and beautiful and lovely and dandy new podcast for you ladies and gentlemen it is finally not finally it is great to be back with all of our listeners and fans new or old thank you so much for tuning in and thanks again as i introduce my co-host ethan octon for joining us yet again another episode of designated chatter we have a fantastic guest on the way and jamie westbrook our first active player to join the podcast and it makes it even better that he's on the mud hens look, look at that and we have some very special news for you ladies and gentlemen things are about to change in a big way ethan tell us why Ladies and gentlemen, the time the time has come that me and Jacob have been waiting for after um, some long months of negotiating and wondering um, how we can improve the podcast and stuff. We have finally sat down with the two GMs and the owner of the Toledo Mudhens and Walleye, and Designated Chatter is now the official podcast of the Mudhens and Walleye, and we cannot wait to see how T-Town's going to react to this. Our fans in T-Town, I know you guys are going to go wild. This is something you guys never seen before. This is going to be, we're only bringing, you guys know us, we're bringing the best content we can ever to you guys. And we can't wait to start, Jacob. I'm sorry, Ethan, can you say that one more time for me? What's going on? Yes, I'll say it loud and clear. Designated Chatter Baby is the official podcast of your world-famous Toledo Mudhens and Toledo Walleye. That's uh, that, just, that just sounds so picture perfect and picture clear. Just a, yes, it was a long process, as Ethan said, but it, just a, a huge thank you to everyone involved. And I, again, this would not have happened without mine and Ethan's hard work over the past couple of months, just showing you guys what we can do. And now it's time to, to enlarge it on a wider scale and bring it. We're going to have a, a main focus on obviously Toledo and what goes on behind the scenes. And you guys are just going to love it because I know you guys love what we do now. And we're just we're introducing it on a larger scale. So a big thanks to Joe Napoli, the president, and Neil Newcomb and Eric Gibson, the two main GMs that run the walleye and mud hens. They can't thank you enough for how kind of open they were in this entire process and just a big partnership. So it, it was it was lengthy, but we are just ready to get down to it. How, how ready are you, Ethan? We we are we are ready. I mean, as you guys know from a blast from the past, we had Joe on um, not too long ago. Oh, well, actually, it's been a long time ago, but episode wise, not too long ago. And uh, ever since that moment, you know, we we gained that great connection with Joe and um, got to get in with the industry. And he they've been so much of a help to us. So to be able to you know seal the deal on this is amazing. And I think all of us are expecting the absolute best to come out of this. I think there's no wrong turns. It's just going to go up from here. Yeah, no, of course. And to speak, we always ask for advice, but some advice, and I know you can you can relate to this, Ethan, and it, just to see this finally come to fruition and the amount of effort and work that it went into finally deciding and making it evident that we can do a job such as be the official podcast of a minor league organization it's just the fact that we worked so hard to get to this point. And it, it's just, it's just a uh, kind of adds on to the notion that hard work will pay off with dedication and responsibility with that hard work. And it, it, again, we're just so excited. It, things are happening in a very, very, very big way. And again, we can't thank everyone enough involved in the process. Thank you, Ethan, for constantly uh, providing so much joy throughout this entire process and i can't wait to, to go alongside this process with you my man 
Yeah, this is this is gonna be awesome. This will be one for the ages for you guys. And uh, um, even within the industry, we have so much help. But for you guys out there, the ones who tune in every week, the ones who pay attention, family, friends who support us all along the way, this is for you guys too. You know, without you guys, especially our guests, also, without all them, this doesn't happen. You know, this this is a shot in the dark. But thanks to them and some really really highly support that we've got through everyone we were able to make it happen and uh yeah dude we we can't wait to bring this to you guys so you guys are gonna love this yes yes but that doesn't mean we don't have another amazing podcast on the way for you guys today just already mentioned the jamie westbrook coming at you but before we get there we just want to jump into a little bit of a current event style obviously we introduced the segment who's hot who's not i'm hot what and you know we're just we want to kind of introduce Again, kind of a little bit less than a month out of this All-Star game. So we're going to jump into some stat lines. Who's leading the league in what category? Who's, who's leading? Who's not doing so well? But uh, we'll, we'll start off on who's hot. I'm hot. Number, uh, so we look at the batting averages on the team totals. The Boston Red Sox, who got off to a very, 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 very slow start, currently lead the league. And if you look at the number two spot, who thought the Colorado Rockies would be sitting second in the league, tied with the Mets at 259 as, a, as an average across the team, with the Red Sox sitting atop the entire league with a 261? Who thought the Rockies would be there? It's your boy, Chris Bryant. Dude. Yeah, exactly. And Chris Bryant's not even there. He's in the minor leagues right now. Dude, that's, that's crazy. I would have never thought that, but, I mean, it's clicking for them. You can see it on the field. So if they're, if they're getting it done, then, like, people always say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right now, it's definitely not broke, so. I wonder how long this is going to hold up, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Yes, Just because simply, you know, the Rockies is someone that we, I don't think any of us expected to do anything this season. For them to start picking up like this, this could be uh, could be dangerous because, I mean, we're hitting the all-star break soon, so let's see where this team can lead. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, they're – uh, their, their success kind of stops on the offensive side. I mean, Herman Marquez, who was an all-star last year, is having one of his worst years of his career at the moment. And uh, Kyle Freeland is kind of off, off and on as well. So their bullpen and their starting rotation has kind of failed them. But they're definitely in a rebuild phase. Obviously, you don't get rid of uh, Nolan Arenado and just freeload everything else without considering um, rebuilding. So... It's, it's going to take a long time, and it's pro- – I mean, it, this is good news to say that they can still perform at this ability with the lack of offense they have in, in, from the outside looking in. But, uh, yes, very, very, very weird to see them sitting second in average. And when you look at the home run totals, no surprise. New York Yankees sitting 121 home runs, 11 more than the number two Atlanta Braves who have slugged it the entire uh, month of June going – 18 and three, I believe, is the uh, stat line for the Braves in June right now, who have closed their lead or their deficit on the Mets for the division down to four and a half games at the moment. And um, not surprising, uh, I will say. I mean, everyone, I think it's very surprising when a team goes 18 and three within a month. But at the same time, it's the Braves. Everyone expected them to kind of jump out to this. I mean, what, what, what does this say to you when the Braves are kind of hitting their stride? 
Yeah, this is going to be something special. I mean, I mean, we talked the other uh, the other week where you said, "Hey, the Cubs, they need to do something against the Rays," which they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they were a dangerous team, and they were on a very hot streak. So, I mean, they're only four four and a half games back from you guys now in the division. So, uh, I think it's gonna be a fight till the end. They really got a solid team, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a close one come uh, the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it's it it, it will be. Uh, and again. A lot of teams do turn things on when the all-star break comes and goes because you think about trade acquisitions and pe- and also some teams do fall off the map that have performed really well. The Rockies is a team you can consider that may not be in the same position come the end of the season. But it, again, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, come the next couple of weeks. And it's also going to be very interesting to see what the all-star game looks like in terms of the rosters by both teams. So I'll just run through uh, as well what the offensive stats look like. The Rangers set atop the stolen base mark for some reason. The Yankees and the Mets set atop the run scored. The Dodgers are leading the league in on-base percentage with a 331 overall on-base percentage, beating the Mets by two two points or two scores at, at two points. Uh, the Mets sitting at 329 and the Dodgers sitting at 331 with the Braves slugging 441 for the entire season right now. Not surprising, again, with their stats that they've told throughout the month of June. And last but not least, the Dodgers lead the league, not only in on-base percentage, but OPS. Those are two huge stat lines, as you'll hear later on in the show, with uh, Jamie Westbrook, who kind of considers that his go-to stat line in OPS. But yes, exactly. there's... Oh, take a, let me tell you who's not hot for a second. <laughs> and who's not hot is Bryce Harper with that broken thumb. That was a tear in the Phillies lineup, and he was heated. Did you see that? It was yeah. bad. Did you? He also came out with an article. It was on the Guardian, I believe. He said he wished the ball would have hit him in the face because you can play with a broken face. That's <laughs> for him to say that though. It just blows my mind. Yes, yes. I, I, and I mean, I understand this frustration too because who are the Phillies without Bryce Harper in their lineup? Since he signed this huge deal with them, there's always been something. And it's usually we see that with those huge deals now is that those players have not been fulfilling to their uh, potential because injuries have been a huge impact, especially Tatis is another one. Um, I heard he just got set back. So, I mean, who knows when these, you know, all-stars are going to be able to come back and uh, start earning that uh, money that they're making. Yes. Yes, and uh, again, we talk about uh, things, people that are not hot. Two teams that are not hot got real hot today. Ethan, yes, what they happened did. with the Angels and the Mariners today, baby? We, we, we want to speak on that. Uh, it was oh, – Jesse Winker is a legend. Let's just say that. Jesse Winker charged at the Angels bench. And that's when everything started going into a huge scrimmage. And then the next thing I saw was J.P. Crawford have an uppercut that came straight from the ground right to someone's face. And it just went from a huge brawl to then people were on the ground. You said eight ejections today. I didn't read up on who was the ejections. But, uh, yeah, dude, that was crazy. And those teams uh, those teams are probably going to get some suspensions and uh, a, lot of, a lot of fines after that one. Yes, and – I say this every time I think this is what baseball needed. When you're able to bring it back to like the 1980s and have a brawl like that, it kind of livens the game, not only for the fans, but at the same time, it livens the game for, I mean, the players as well. It keeps them on their toes at the same time. 
and you go back and you look at him trying to figure out who I'm, who I'm thinking of the, remember, you remember when Amir Garrett attacked yes. the entire Reds dugout and took him on just one by one. This kind of insane. reminds me of the same thing. Absolutely insane. Yes. I think it's funny that Amir Garrett and Javier Baez always had the biggest of beef and they both switched teams and they're still in the same division. <laughs> I think that's just great. Changing uniforms doesn't change demeanor, you know? Yep, that is very true. Speaking but, of who else is not hot, uh, whoever the catcher was that was behind home plate when Pablo Sandoval absolutely devoured him at home plate. Now, there are some different rules overseas when you play overseas ball. And uh, one of the rules is that you can uh, the, you can charge at the catcher when you're running to home plate. And Pablo Sandoval, um, the panda, as you guys remember in the MLB, <laughs> physically panda smashed the man and catcher. And pretty sure he was unconscious. He didn't move too much. Mm -hmm. Trainers ran out there and Pablo Sandoval tapped him on the button, said, yeah, my bad, and went back in the locker room. That was that. <laughs> I was I was mind blown. I was like, wow. <laughs> there's there's a reason why they call him the panda. He went from snapping his belt to snapping people's heads. And it's just – it's not something that you would have – I mean, I, mean I, I wouldn't have thought Pablo Sandoval would end up running over a catcher, but it, it just adds to – I mean, it's not good for the catcher at the same time, but it created – a. it, it was – Funny in the not funny. I, I mean that's 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 not the right word, but it's just it's crazy to see the the rules that differentiate the MLB and uh, the Mexican league as well. And it's just yeah, it's, it's <laughs> he ran crazy. right through the guy. Yeah, it, it literally it they're the resemblance of like you said, like back in the eighties, like they played it old school, and that's how they're still doing it. So, I mean, that's what shows because when those uh, prospects come overseas and come into the MLB, that's why they're so tough and they make it through the league so often because, you know, they've been bullied around playing overseas ball for so long that they gain a lot of skills out of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's, there is a lot going on and that's just been the consensus surrounding the entire 2022 season. There's been no shortage of content, whether it be crazy, whether it be just uh, uh, just the things you don't expect to happen. Obviously, the fantasy league is, is another one we can pinpoint. At the same time, Pablo Sandoval running over catchers for fun just because he wants to. He doesn't need to, but he wants to. And just, yeah, it, it's it, it's just funny to look around the, around the league and see what's happened so far. So I just can't wait to see what what the league looks like at the end of the season come October. Oh, definitely, definitely. And if you haven't already, everyone go on your phones right now and vote to get your All-Stars into the All-Star game. Voting is open. I'm pretty sure. Can you vote, what, five times a day? I believe so. I, I, I think I think it's just five times in total. You can si sign up for as many different accounts as you want yeah. and just vote for Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor to get into the All-Star oh, game. Oh, okay. That's what you didn't need to say. Well, I'm just I'm just tossing in my hat. I'm not saying that they, they don't deserve <laughs> it. They deserve it. I mean, they're just take my hats off. They deserve it. I'm sorry. My hair looks bad. There's a reason why I put my hat on. Um, but you know, they, they, those are two people that deserve it, but yes, we'll, we'll look back when all-star game comes around and see like who deserved it, who, who didn't deserve it. Who's lighting the league on fire. And there's a ton that did uh, you see Fernando Tatis is in the top 10 for voting and he hasn't played one game this season. That, 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 that's, that's my one grudge that I have against fan voting is because there's something like that where he might end up in the all-star game and, and sitting the bench the entire season. Like, how, how do you do that? And that, that's, uh, you don't, that's, my that's one. the thing. That doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> it's my one. That, that's simply like, I don't, I don't understand this. So obviously if he does get voted in, that's going to be a replacement call to whoever else 
Yes. And of course, he'll probably be sidelined come All Star time anyway with the setback. But, ladies and gentlemen, I think you guys have an amazing podcast coming your way. And like me and Jacob said, you know, with this opportunity that we were just given, we're we're happy to feed the best content to you guys, and uh, we can't wait to get started. And we're gonna start with uh, Eric, the GM of the Toledo Mudhens. And that is going to take place next week. So uh, we can't wait to do this with you guys. And uh, Jacob, you want to take us out? Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said before, we have our first active player joining the podcast. And again, couldn't have been any better that it was with our beloved world famous Toledo Mudhens. Jamie Westbrook, current utility player. I mean, he, he, he provides a difference around the entire lineup. So it's going to be fantastic to hear what he says. I love what he says. Ethan loves what he says. So stay tuned. And we'll be right back with Jimmy Westbrook. Oh, we got another special guest on the podcast today for you, ladies and gentlemen, tuning in. Again, thank you for tuning in to all of our fans and listeners. We have, again, a very special guest. This is going to be our first active player to join us on the show. We have a player who was drafted in 2013 by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Has had a nine year stint in the minor leagues currently is playing for our hometown Toledo Mudhen just yes, sir Jamie Westbrook thank you What's so up, much man? for joining the podcast again uh, it means a ton for us to just have you on and just talk baseball how you doing good man it's uh it's good to be here um enjoying my like you said ninth season in the minor leagues here in Toledo so uh it's going well yeah and to speak on that too I mean nine seasons I mean it's been pretty successful as well you told 94 home runs 469 rbis you're actually coming up on a thousand hits in the minors you're 60 62 62 away i don't know if you do that but uh, just to throw that at you that's a big milestone you might be able to hit this year yeah um i mean it's kind of cool and kind of sad at the same time like you try yeah. to not get a hundred minor league homers or a thousand hits but Hey, I've uh, I've been healthy. I've been fortunate. Um, I've played well all of my years, so uh, I'm just enjoying it, man. But uh, the time has flown by. I promise you that. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Uh, to jump into a little bit of what we got for you today, I wanted to know just to speak on recent events that have happened. Obviously, the reconfiguration of the CBA was huge over the past couple seasons. I don't know if you had time to speak with players that were directly affected by the, the reconstruction of it. I know the minor league players and the MLB players, especially rookie players are definitely, were definitely affected by how they were able to reconstruct this, restructure this, sorry. Um, how important was it in your opinion for the players to continue to fight for better representation across the CBA? And uh, what were your thoughts on how they were able to finally come and show a little bit more representation across the league? Um, honestly, like there's not much like, um, unity between the major league, um, guys who are protected by their union in the minor leagues. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff. I mean, I have plenty of friends who are on big league rosters or on a 40 man that it really affects, but for a guy like me in my position, um, I was just hoping that the minor leaguers weren't going to kind of get like the short end of the stick out of this thing somehow. Um, 
But no, I was happy to see guys kind of, you know, stand up for what they believe in and, um, you know, try to implement some things that are going to better the game moving forward, not just maybe this generation of players, but maybe for my kids or, you know, the, the, the next wave of ball players. Of course. And to also speak on uh, something else that happened before the CBA meetings started heating up, um, was it how important was it to, to speak on as well? I don't know if you struggle with this at all through the, the early years of your career, the ability for the, uh, the owners and the teams directly affected in the minor leagues to take representation of housing for the minor leaguers instead of the minor leaguers trying to fight to pay for their own housing. How important was that? Um, yeah, housing was super cool. Um, I'm a little late to the party, though. Um, mm. There's still some stipulations on who qualifies for housing and who doesn't. Um, and you could see a lot of organizations still aren't really doing it right. Um, they're putting guys in hotels and making them check out. Um, some teams are saying that you qualify and some are saying that you don't. So on paper, on the surface, it looks cool. You just see like, oh, you know, all minor leaguers are getting housing, housing, um, and some organizations are doing it really well, um, and, and some are still late to the party. So I think there's still a long way to go with that, but it definitely is, I would say, a big step um, that there's some type of, um, you know, place for us to live. I mean, throughout my years, I've lived in literally like closets with <laughs> to save money and, I've been in different states and called up and sent down while I have random people living in my apartment on a lease that I signed. And it's just a mess, kind of. And it makes you um, not focus on baseball sometimes and you've got to focus on your living situation. So it definitely is a step in the right direction. But by no means is it perfect at all or resolved, would I say. Of course. All right. So after um, the trade happened this year, Milwaukee sent you over to Detroit with us. And you've, like Jacob mentioned with your stats, you made a huge impact in AAA ball over here. What's the mindset like joining a new team? Is there a new new motive, new mindset that you take in while you meet all these other guys? Um, great question. Yeah. I mean, I've been in a few different organizations um, now, so. Um, but this is definitely my first trade and in the middle of the season, you know, so. I think it's just the same. I try to, like, just be myself. Um, obviously, you get to know everybody, but um, being yourself is what's going to make you the most comfortable and play your best. Um, and it, it doesn't take long. I mean, you always know guys on the other team just from playing against each other, have mutual friends. So I was able to fit in pretty well. Um, I, I was welcomed with open arms and the Tigers were really cool about people reaching out and making me feel welcomed and all of that. So um, overall, it was a pretty good experience. I also want to hit on, I mean, we've noted the fact that you've moved around a good amount in your minor league career. Um, I also want to speak on that process as well. If you could talk about that, like what kind of process is that like moving up in the system, getting traded? Like how quickly is that process? I, I would assume it's ASAP, but how quickly is it truly? Um, yeah, it's pretty quick. So this year I got traded. I, they told me that they're trying to trade me on a Monday. The Brewers did. I drove to Gwinnett seven hours, um, knowing I wasn't going to play. <laughs> and all day Tuesday, um, I was kind of on the phone with my agent, um, 
And next thing you know, he said the Tigers were interested and it's probably going to go through. On uh, like the third inning of that Tuesday game, I was traded. Wednesday, I had a flight back to Nashville, packed up the apartment and drove through the night. Um, Wednesday into Thursday, flew into to Detroit or no, drove to Toledo. Drove to Detroit, flew to Des Moines, and played that night. So it was quick. Um, two days, <laughs> really. Oh my gosh! So so it's not it's not easy. That's <laughs> what yeah, you're saying. Uh, oh, it's definitely a kind of a crazy experience, but it's almost the same as getting called up or sent down. You know, you kind of find out late, and the next day you've got a flight, and you're in the lineup the next day. So um, it kind of comes with the territory. Um, and like I said, the Tigers um, were really cool about people reaching out, making sure everything was set up. The housing here is absolutely great. Um, and that's, that's a huge um, stress reliever without a doubt. Of course. Of course. And I mean, uh, with all that travel, I mean, how, I mean, what are your favorite, just to hit on another light, lay hard spot, like what are your favorite spots, like food spots you've been to around around the nation per se, like what, what you've traveled a lot. So what's that one spot that's hit different? Um, honestly, a shocking answer to most people, maybe, but I spent about four seasons in the Southern League and I love Waffle House, man. I always say if I was like on death row and they're like, all right, what's your last meal? Be like, just give me like 30 minutes in a Waffle House and I'll <laughs> die a happy man. Like, I just love <laughs> so. And in the South, there's one on like every corner. So, um, I've had a lot, it, it, it's a, it's reliable, it's always open. You could go there for breakfast. You could go there at three in the morning. It doesn't matter. You're getting a good meal. <laughs> nothing, nothing that's different than a two two a.m. meal at Waffle House when you're just starving. You're like, why not? Trip? Might make a trip out. Yeah, yep. yeah. I get exactly what you're saying right there. Um, now to get back into baseball a little bit, from a developmental standpoint, in in your opinion, well, what do you feel is the most important tool to optimize your own performance in today's game? And also to go along with that question, how important is utilizing data and analytics to help improve your game at the same time? Um, to answer the first one, I think the most important part for me is uh, I've got a hit. Um, that's kind of been my MO since that's why I got drafted. Um, it's kind of been what's kept me around all of these years. So I know at the end of the day, I've got a hit and that's what's going to give me a shot to make it to the major leagues. Um, also defensively, like I've worked very, very hard to get back into the infield. I played outfield for quite a few years in a row after getting drafted as an infielder. So getting back in the infield has been huge for me just to kind of give myself more opportunity and, uh, be able to kind of be a utility guy. Um, and as far as analytics, um, I'm a little more old school, <laughs> even though I'm relatively young, I guess, in the game. Um, but when I got drafted, like analytics were kind of like not really that big, I would say. Um, and they've kind of taken, you know, the game by storm. So I use them um, for for what I need. I mean, like our hitting coach, uh, Melly, does a great job of like we've got all the analytics that you could ever imagine. Um, and you kind of just learn what pieces work for you. Um, and applying to them to having the best success on the field. And we, we've asked this to a good amount of people that are, I've, I've asked this to a lot of people within the baseball industry and to say that you're also an old school guy. I mean, if you could also speak on 
where the fine line is, where you need to make sure you're not getting lost in the analytics in today's game? Like, is there a certain point where you just have to understand the actual feel of the game before going to the numbers? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, at least for me, it's all I feel like we're playing the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, the game will tell you what to do. Um, sometimes, you know, the analytics could say one thing, but you just have a hunch that you should, you know, maybe shift this guy that way. Or I know that he throws 2% changeup, but, you know, he's thrown me every pitch and this would be good in this spot, you know. So you kind of have to trust your gut in that aspect. Um, but at the same time, you want to be educated and informed on, you know, possibilities and outcomes in the game. So there's definitely a fine line of like using it um, for your benefit. But also, if you look into it too much, it could kind of hurt you because you're not being external and worrying about, you know, what's going on and actually playing the game physically, you know. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. So in. 2021, you were named to the United States national baseball team um, in the 2020 Olympics in uh, Tokyo. Um, the team ended up receiving a silver medal, uh, falling just short to Japan in the finals. What was that experience like for you? What was just walk me through when you got the call? Um, yeah, it was kind of nuts. I was in Gwinnett again. Something about Gwinnett with me. Um, <laughs> So I got called into the office and at the time I was playing really well and I was like, holy crap, dude, like I'm going to the big leagues like this is it finally, you know, and the manager sits me down and the first thing he says is you're not going to the big leagues. And I'm like, <laughs> Lord, like what am I in here for? You know, like all my teammates are peeking in the office trying to see what's going on. And he's like, the, you're going to the Olympics like they called. And they've kind of been following you and um, you've been selected for that team. So that experience is super cool. It just kind of threw me off because I wasn't on the qualifier team and I wasn't really aware of what was going on, to be to be honest. Um, so, yeah, they told me about a month before I was in Japan um, and just going over there was unbelievable. I mean, like being in the Olympic Village with the top athletes in the world, going through opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies. Um, you know, even though we lost in the gold medal game, like I'm still a silver medalist, which is awesome. I was able to hit a home run in the Olympics, which, you know, not many people could say. And there's a really cool moment. Like I think it was in the, the gold medal game. I like had gotten out in a big spot, like kind of like didn't come through for the team. And I was pretty like frustrated with myself and I was running out to left field and I just was kind of like looking around the stadium and just like, dude, the United States is trying to win a gold medal and they threw you out here. Like they thought this is the best. You were the best option they had. And like, that's something that I'll never forget. So um, that was pretty cool. That's, that's fantastic. And so there wasn't really uh was there a tryout process or was it just something that was random selection by, for you? Um, no. So they had, um, it was all players who weren't on a 40 man was the, um, like qualification and they kind of threw together a team a few months before um, the Olympics and had to do the qualifier in Florida um, and I wasn't on that team um, which was all good I didn't even really know what was going on I was just focused on the season um, and then about a month after that I don't know someone must have gotten hurt or they needed depth or um, I was having a really good season and 
they called and that's kind of an opportunity that you had never turned down. So yeah, I'm super fortunate that that was, uh, you know, in the cards for me. Of course. Of course. Yes, definitely. Um, we like asking this uh, question just around everyone in the baseball industry because it, it usually leads to a great answer that we find. And we all it's throughout everyone's career, even baseball players, to even people like us, me and Jacob, just working in the industry. You always endure some setbacks and mostly they're unexpected um, as a professional in the industry, learning from those such setbacks. What was the one um, thing that pushed you beyond potential success? Um, like what setback kind of fueled me to get to where I am now? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I was released in 2020. Um, with the COVID year, it was a weird year, no minor league season. I had signed with the Giants. Uh, it was like my first big league camp. They're going to pay me pretty good money. Like everything was really looking up. Um, I had a good camp and yeah, COVID hit and I ended up getting released because I, wasn't able to play infield. Um, so I found myself in indie ball that summer and I knew why I was there. It was never because I couldn't hit. It was because uh, I, I lost my ability to play in the infield. Um, so that kind of was like, I I've, was kind of running from it. And I knew that that's why I was there. And if I needed to, if I wanted to get to the major leagues, I knew I was a good enough hitter and I needed to be able to be that utility guy. Um, so going to indie ball and getting released, honestly, it was like the coolest thing that happened to me. Cause I kind of got my stuff together and was able to work through that. It's in a comfortable environment and it was just like playing baseball for fun again, you know, and I was able to work hard and get back there and, um, yeah, had a good, had a good summer, able to play infield again. And I ended up being able to get back into affiliate ball and sign with the Brewers and, less than a year later I was in the Olympics like we talked about so um it was really cool it kind of made me handle some stuff that I had going on to get get back to the player that I knew I always was so uh I don't know if that answers your question but that's what I got no that's that's perfect to to be able to hint on that one thing that really pushed you that was the exact the exact answer we were looking for and I also wanted to take it back a little bit to a little bit before 2013, before you were drafted. And can I ask you a question? Just when you knew the professional baseball industry was a possibility as a player for you, kind of want to talk about what that process was like before and after getting drafted. Like, when did you know it was a possibility? And like, what was it like finally achieving that uh, getting drafted in the fifth round? Um, yeah, so I, I always kind of wanted to go to college to play. Um, I was a pretty smart kid. I had good grades. So I was committed to Pepperdine and my folks were really harping on like, dude, pro balls, whatever, but like go get a scholarship, get your degree and we'll see what happens, you know? So that's kind of where I was all the way up until my junior year. Um, and then the summer going into my senior year, I remember this guy, a good friend of mine, Mitch Nay got drafted out of a high school, like close to mine in my hometown. Um, he signed for like a million bucks. And I remember look, being like, <laughs> wow like that's a possibility like I'm good too you know so um that's when you know I kind of started to get the you know my wheels start spinning a little bit and then next thing you know you have in-home visits with scouts and there's people there watching you in high school and area codes and all the travel ball circuit stuff um so that's when I kind of was like no this is my passion like this is what I want to do 
Um, so it ended up all working out. Yeah, and I ended up being drafted by the D-backs, the hometown team. So uh, spring training was 30 minutes from my house. I got to stay there every spring. Um, you know, fall league was there. Instructs was at home. Rookie balls at home. Like, it was just really a blessing um, to be able to, you know, play so close to home to start my career. Jamie Westbrook, uh, current utility player for the Toledo Mudhens, uh, joining the show with us. Uh, before we let you go, because uh, you're not going to go that easy, we like to always put our guests through the grinder. And Ethan, what is that grinder? All right, ladies and gents, this is your favorite moment of the show. As always, it is time for the pickle. It is time for the pickle. Ethan's wearing the shirt. So, I mean, we kind of introduced that pretty well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Jamie, we're going to ask you 10 rapid fire questions. Okay. Some of them are are mind benders. So, take your time on it and uh, we'll grade you at the very end and see if you passed it. Okay. Will do. All right. Number one for you. What is your best warm up song? Warm up song. Man, I listened to this song called war no more trouble by bob marley every single day before the game when i'm stretching so it's got to be that i just sing it out loud puts me in a good mood and yeah that's my go-to okay quick quick question besides the pickle what what's your walk-up song currently right now i hear it every day and i love it and i never got the name of it it's called family affair by mary j blige it's my mom's favorite song and it makes me think of her and we always dance to it and it's just a good vibe it it puts me in a good mood like I just kind of want to vibe up there have a little dance and try to smack the hell out of the ball yeah she she performed that at the halftime show at the Super Bowl correct I believe so yes yes okay Mm -hmm. yeah no that that, that song hits good vibe indeed Mm -hmm. all right number two favorite food spot in Toledo oof uh you know, I haven't really gone out to eat much. Let me think, though. Have they? That's... Have they? Have Have you gone to the Renaissance yet? Um, uh, no, I have not. I know. There's a, if you ever get the chance, there's a cool restaurant at the very top. It's called the Heights. I oh, okay, I've it. heard. I didn't know they okay. served food there. I thought it was just a bar. No, 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 they serve. They serve some pretty good pizza there. I think it's brick oven. I don't. I, I've I've enjoyed it, but okay. Uh, well, I'll have to check that out. But yeah, favorite spot in Toledo. I mean, I live in Perrysburg and I'm going to go back to the well. There's a Waffle House right in front of the highway. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't disappointed. I am with it. So that's my go-to answer. All right. All right. That's fantastic. Number three for you. This is going to be a difficult one. What is your favorite baseball memory so far? Favorite baseball memory. Man. Honestly, probably the first day that I got to play infield again in indie ball after about three to four years of playing in the outfield and being bored, uh, feeling the dirt on my cleats again, running out there like that was like pure joy. I felt like I was like a little kid again playing the game like it was it was awesome. Um, And that tops. Yeah, almost everything. Um, That was a really cool moment for me. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, number four, favorite MILB ballpark besides Fifth Third Field? 
Oof, um, that's a great question. I love um, Birmingham is really cool. Um, Columbus was awesome as well. Um, Vegas is cool. I don't know. I've been to a lot of cool ones, but those are probably my top three. Charlotte as well. Um, there's some cool parks out there, man. There really is. I don't know if you've played there. Uh, I mean, I've seen pictures and I've seen videos and it looks fantastic. Have you been to uh, Durham? Uh, I have been to Durham. Never as a, like, for a minor league affiliate, but the USA team, we played a scrimmage game there against the collegiate national team. Um, and that stadium was pretty cool as well. Okay. Okay. Now, this could be past or this could be present. I want you, uh, people that you might have seen go through the system or current system at, at the moment. What, in your opinion, was the most impressive prospect you've seen in your time? Man, that's a great question. Um, Ronald Acuna was pretty cool to see play live. I played against him in double A. And Ozzy Albies was on the same team, I believe, that year. Um, and those dudes were they were pretty good mm. they were really good um and obviously they're still doing great now but um seeing those guys play live I was like wow um and I, I played with Josh Chisholm for a year in double a before he got traded to the Marlins and I think he like didn't even hit 200 that year but he had like 20 homers and mm. it was just exciting to watch like what he's doing now he kind of was doing at a way like smaller less consistent scale in double a but everyone knew like, man, this kid's special. Like you, it was just like a must see at bat. Um, so yeah, th those guys were super fun to watch. Now, now is it true that jazz, like his style just outmatches anybody else? <sighs> uh, jazz is doing it right now, man. I was, <laughs> jazz, jazz is finally to the point where jazz could be jazz and I'm very happy for him to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, number six, Best player in the game today. Best player. Myself, man. If I don't think <laughs> yes, I, sir. I don't know why I'm playing, but uh favorite guy in the big leagues to watch. Um I don't know, man. There's so many good players. The game's in a really good spot right now. Mm -hmm. I, I I think so. Like we got a lot of young guys. You got old guys doing well still. Um, so I don't know if I can answer that, but there's a lot of people I like watching. Baseball's in a good spot right now. There's a lot of a lot of talent in the game. Do you think I the game is at like a, a good turning point where you have some legends making their way out of the game and you have also the people that are gonna take hold of the game for the next five to ten years? Yeah, totally. I, I think you I mean you got guys like Albert Poole still playing, and then you got kids that are, you know. 20 years old, like a Wander Franco or whatever, you know, like the game's in, in, in really good hands. Um, and I think hopefully one day MLB will kind of um, loosen up a little bit and more of the let the kids play and have some, you know, some fun out there and um, a little less traditional. I mean, you look at like, you know, the NBA is like probably the coolest, most successful league around in its worldwide, you know, cause um, you know, the players could express themselves and be themselves. And um, that game is, it's growing globally. Um, so I, I hope that we get to a point where it's like that as well. 
It's looking bright. It's looking bright. Number seven, other than Toledo, what's your favorite minor league city? Favorite minor league city to live in? Um, you know, I really enjoyed Visaya, California. Not many people say that, but I had an awesome uh, host family, the Oster, Stan and Sid. Um, man, that was a really cool experience. I had probably my best season that year, and um, I really felt like I had a home with them. So shout out to Visalia. Uh, great tri-tip there, too. Um, it's in the middle of central California, like, you know, Farmer's Valley. There's really not much going on. It's hot, but a uh, small little town that I, I really uh, enjoyed living there. Okay. All right, let's kick it back to the Mudhens, number eight. Who on the team this year shows up with the best pregame fit? Pregame fit, man. Akil dresses very good to the field. Um, it, he 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 he's dresses like he's got a tunnel pit coming. So I <laughs> I respect that. Akil's got some some good style. I did I did have in my mind Akil Badu. I I saw him the other day. It looked like he was getting ready for the NBA draft himself, and I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> he was he, all out. He's got some flow at the field. Um, he's got more, uh, and he's young. He's 23, so he's still, you know, uh, ready to put on a nice fit to go to the field. I wear Burks and some shorts and a T-shirt and a hat most <laughs> days. Uh, I'm chilling, man. I've you gone gotta, to the, You got to be comfortable. I got to be comfortable. You know, <laughs> we're going in there. We change immediately. You know, we barely yeah. wear it. So, yeah, I'm wearing exactly. sandals. Every so, day. you got the shirt, the shorts, the sandals, the Waffle House. It just all comes together in a package. <laughs> <laughs> all one thing. Things that make – I'm a simple guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, we're going to dive into data real quick. In your opinion, what uh, in terms of what you value the most, is it batting average or on-base percentage? Um – I'm going to one up you there. I think OPS is the okay. stat that okay. like look at the most. Obviously everyone wants to hit 300, but getting hits is hard. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that kind of goes into average. Um, and on base percentage is, is obviously part of OPS. You know what I mean? So I, I like OPS. It's almost like how much you're on base and what kind of damage are you doing when you do hit the ball, you know? Right. Exactly. All right, last one, number 10. What advice would you give to your younger self? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. I'd probably tell myself to not stress out so much and have fun and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. All the cliche stuff that people tell you that you think is just cliche and dumb, I would just probably tell myself to chill out and just enjoy the ride and you'll be all right, dude. <laughs> Don't trip. <laughs> Don't exactly. trip. Wise words from a wise man. Jamie Westbrook, yes. thank you so much. This is going to take us to the end of the episode for us. But the Jamie Westbrook, current utility man for the Toledo Mud Hens, uh, been in the league for nine seasons and is just enjoying his, his game today. But thank you so change. much. We got to change that, man. I'm not trying to do 10 years in the minor league. So I'm going to try. <laughs> yes, to sir. Yes, sir. The big leagues, cuz. Maybe that, next, time, next time we have you on, we're going to see you in a big league uniform. That would be huge. And who do I got to talk to to get uh, the shirts you guys are wearing? I love the pickle shirt, and I need to rep Desi. <laughs> oh, Church you're getting free. one. Every every guest gets one. You are getting one, my man. I'll bring it over to the ballpark. <laughs> love That's that. That's our goal. Um, 
so yeah, our goal pretty much is to get all them players up in those shirts. As we, Lloyd's got one, Tony Cap's got one now. You're gonna have one, and we're just gonna keep filling it up until we can't fill no more. That's our plan. Love that, guys. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, thank all you so right. much. Jamie Westbrook, everyone. If you guys want to see Jamie and the other Mudhens in action, they are home for two home stands back to back. They're finishing up this one this week, and Louisville's coming in town next week with the firework game on Sunday. Make sure to get the family and friends out there to go see the world famous Toledo Mudhens. For us at Designated Chatter, um, make sure to listen to all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming platforms. Um, you can also make sure to follow us on all social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Designated Chatter. And then, just like Jamie mentioned, Designated Chatter merchandise is still up and running. If you want a shirt just like how me, Jacob, and Jamie are going to have, you can go to DesignatedChatterMerchandise.com and get your shirt today. Like again, another great guest, Jamie Westbrook. Thank you again. Until next time, stay safe, and we will see you back on the show. Hopefully.